get hard evidence. Are you stealing the Cerritos? Coming up, Beckett Mariner and her lower deck shipmates go on a daring, rule-breaking, reckless, unauthorized mission to exonerate her mother, Captain Freeman. So we're gonna have to get past the transporter chief. Look, we've got the numbers and the element of surprise. This is for the captain. Will their daring, lying, ship-stealing, over-the-top and unorthodox methods help or hurt Captain Freeman's case? Well, I'm taking it. Taking it to the limit. We break down this week's satirical adventure, and we discuss a very surprising Star Trek First Contact cameo. All right, buckos, prepare for your trek amongst the stars. All this and more on the Lower Decks edition of Energize. 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 We're comedically going into the uncharted regions of the Star Trek universe. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Lower Decks Edition podcast. Your source for hilarious analysis, colorful debate, and a lot of fun discussions about the adventures of Ensign Beckett Mariner and the USS Cerritos Lower Decks crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. This week, Mariner and her Lower Deck shipmates take insubordination to the next level as they mount an unsanctioned mission to help exonerate their captain, Carol Freeman. Will they be able to clear her of destroying the Packlet homeworld or completely undermine her case? Here's a Warp Speed recap of the Season 3 premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 1, Grounded. Starfleet Captain Carol Freeman stands accused of orchestrating a devastating attack on the Packlet capital. A Becky! Can't take this anymore! You just need to be patient and trust in the system. You won't do something, then I will. So we're gonna have to get past the transporter chief. We've got the numbers and the element of surprise. This is for the captain. Mariner, what are you doing? I'm not going back until I get hard evidence. Are you stealing the Cerritos? They say she got a bomb from Klingons and bull I'm gonna go find those Klingons and bring them back. I don't want you getting in trouble. And we're not gonna let you put yourself in danger. Rutherford. Oh, no, you don't. You're not thinking straight. Uh, I don't want to hurt you. I repeat, this is an unauthorized launch. Please respond. She thinks she can just say and do whatever she wants with no repercussions. If you do, in fact, want to remain in Starfleet, it's going to be his call. Thank you, Captain. As far as you're concerned, Mariner, I'm your mama now. Well, Steve, Energize is back, but yep. this time we cover Star Trek Lower Decks. One of my favorite series uh, of the show, uh, of the whole franchise. It was such a surprise to me personally as a lifelong fan of Star Trek to have Lower Decks be so surprisingly good and just so fresh every season. Uh, this was just a joy to come back. Yes, and I have to say that when I first heard that they were doing an animated series, I was a little skeptical. I was like, oh, how is this going to work out? And, you know, can they really do humor that way? Because yeah. you know how 
shows in the past have added humor and they haven't all the, always been on target. Yeah. And so I started watching it and I just immediately uh, just started laughing because I got all the jokes. There's so many running jokes and inside jokes. And I really got into the Beckett Mariner character because yeah. I, I, you know, in real life, I kind of identify with her. I always paint outside the lines. I'm not as... Uh, reckless and insubordinate <laughs> as she is, right. but I I identified with her and I quickly got into it and understood all the jokes that they were putting in because it's just one reference to another to yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, past series and it makes it really really funny. The thing I love about it is it's almost as if Matt Groening has been a Star Trek fan and he he created it. It's it's got an Office feel to it. It's got a Simpsons feel to it. It's snarky, intelligent humor, but yes, it's a lot. A lot of it is based on a lot of Easter eggs and a lot of references and you know they don't hold back at all references from films everything and it, it's yeah it's really fun to watch because of that yeah and it's the the show for the the real Star Trek fan because you're not gonna get all the jokes if you're not a, a true Star right. Trek fan yep yeah True. so let's get right to it you're under arrest for the destruction of Pakled Planet. What? What are you talking about? Hey, let, let her go. This is madness. Captain, what are your orders? Stand down. All right, so at the end of last season, Mariner's mother, Captain Carol Freeman, was arrested and accused of destroying the Packlet homeworld. Right. And as many of you know, the, the Packlets have been an ongoing nemesis in the Lower Deck series. Um, but they first made their appearance in The Next Generation. What is your problem? We are Packlets. Our ship is the Mondor. It is broken. Yeah, they, they were a menace for a couple of reasons. One, because they, were, they had this um, unstoppable will to constantly take other people's stuff. But I think the bigger threat of the Packlets is that they're just this simple, as you mentioned before, basic... Uh, folk who are not bright. Ho, ho, ho. I thought the Enterprise was strong. We are strong. I don't know how they get the technology. I guess they just take it from people. Um, and that to me is dangerous. When you've got people who are like, we're smarter than you and we're going to prove it. They'll do anything to do that, including making terrible mistakes. And so I think they have been the perfect nemesis for the Cerritos because the Cerritos is like, you know, not the most important ship in the fleet and, you know, kind of a sea level, if you will, uh, ship. And so what a better, what better uh, nemesis for a bunch of lower deckers too. Yeah. And I, I actually love the Packlets because of course they're, they're the, the morons of the galaxy. But the thing <laughs> about it is, is that everybody underestimates them and that's, right. that's their power. They're cunning. So they're like this, these scavengers, they love taking other people's technology yeah. but as they take other people's technology they become greater and no one ever sees them coming because they dismiss them and that is exactly what happened in the season finale of season one right when they destroyed this other ship well the other ship destroyed itself when it yes. tried to take off after they clamped onto it right but they really got in there and almost took over the cerritos I thought that was a brilliant episode, by the way, because they were fighting tooth and nail. I the loved it. It, 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 it I, I loved it. It was, yeah, they really had skid in the game in that season one um, 
ending uh, finale there, I, I was really nervous. I mean, when that first ship exploded and was destroyed trying to escape, I thought, oh, my God, this is real. Like, they're really taking this seriously. Yes, and I was just cracking up because you, you know how they speak. They're so basic. Hacklids? What the hell do you want? We want your ship pieces to add to our ship pieces so that we have all the ship pieces. Yeah, you yeah. Know. <laughs> we're we want smart. all the ship yeah, pieces. Yes, we want everything. <laughs> we're smart. That's, that's that. You're right. That is their powers. They're underestimated because they're slow, and then they just, you know, club you over the head and take your stuff. Yeah. So at the end of last season, uh, once again, they battled, the, battled with the Packlets earlier yeah. on, and so... Um, Carol Freeman is accused. I mean, it was it was like a big blindside in the season finale of season two um, because all of a sudden they had gotten out of whatever scenario they were in last season, and right. then all of a sudden Carol Freeman gets arrested for destroying the Packlet homeworld. Yeah. And here we are. We find ourselves at the beginning that you know Carol Freeman is um, getting ready to stand trial for blowing up this planet. Starfleet Captain Carol Freeman stands accused of orchestrating a devastating attack on the Packlid capital, a place they call, quote, Big Strong City. So uh, so we start off with the news, which I would assume is the Federation News Network. Right. And they're laying out the case. I, I loved watching this because uh, you're, you're an old news reporter, just like I am. We're both former journalists. And I love shows that tell montage stories or, or, or backstories in news clippings. And so I loved this opening because, you know, here you've got this person on there and there was a crawl underneath and they were talking about like sports teams, uh, you know, winning and losing. I don't know if you noticed the crawl there, um, a la CNN. Uh, but I, I thought it was just a brilliant way to bring us into the third season and set up the story and remind us of what happened last season. And the latest shocking development. New surveillance footage retrieved from the attack that appears to place Freeman on the ground at the time of the bombing. The evidence is laid out. There's even video evidence right. of, of, of Carol Freeman planting the bomb. Yeah, and, you know, how, how are you supposed to fight that, right? Um, and, that's, and that's also the power of the media is once it's out there, it's out there. How are you going to, how are you going to, you know, challenge that? Yeah, and just like in real life, we, you know, Carol Freeman is being tried in the court of public opinion, and Marin is like completely frustrated. And I think, too, just really quickly about the news thing, uh, if you remember in Star Trek Generations, it opens up with Captain Kirk, you know, touring the bridge of the Enterprise B. Um, and, you know, he's being swarmed by news people, which I thought, yeah, I think they always kind of make fun of the news people on Star Trek when they do use, you know, news and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, and, and even in the future, the news will still always be there. They're yeah, never for going sure. Away. The media yeah. is ever present no That's matter true. what century it is. So That's that it's, it's actually refreshing as it is uh, yeah. funny. Yeah, agreed. Beckett, screens can just be turned off, you know. I can't take this anymore. Everyone's acting like the trial's already over when there is no way that mom did anything wrong. And then we can't watch the news anymore because the screen explodes. Oh my gosh, Mariner being Mariner, she's always impulsive, and yeah. uh, her emotions, how she's feeling, is always at the at the surface, and and she is just breaking everything in sight. And her father, who's an admiral, is telling her to calm down. Right? Yeah, he's like, could you just maybe turn off the screen instead of throwing stuff at it? And I, you know, I remember her being impulsive, and I know she's a rebel, but she was like mad. And this is something. This is a bit of a different 
emotion for her. I think she was really much more emotional than she was rebellious or any other thing. And you could tell why, because it was her mom on trial. Absolutely, which, you know, shows that, that she is devoted to her mom. Yeah. I mean, even though she's the bane of her existence on the Cerritos, yeah. uh, that she really does care for her mom. And we've seen that a few times when they were battling the Packlets uh, in, in the season one finale. Uh, Carol Freeman got hurt, yeah. you know, and yeah. was al- almost got killed by one of the Packlets, and, and uh, Mariner jumps in. Yeah. Um, and, and you can see that she is devoted to her mom, even though she causes her so much trouble and she's always trying to be corralled um but you know it was really cool to see her dad there you just need to be patient and trust in the system oh you mean the same system that's now putting her on trial oh yeah yeah i freaking love the system they have this really interesting discussion about um trusting the system which you know of course in our world we're always skeptical of the system so that you see this theme coming through and she said that, too. She said, you want me to trust the very system that's putting her on trial. I, I don't think so. And, and so she, you know, you, we can see what's going to happen. She's going to take it upon herself to do something. She's not just going to sit there. And as she's walking out the door, or storming out, I should say, of course, she just keeps breaking things. <laughs> yes. And, and we also find out that the judge presiding over the case is, uh, <laughs> is who she calls a planet's planet rights lunatic yeah so the tone has been set so she's not gonna wait for the system she's gonna as we all know mariner's gonna take things in her own hands you know put the you know i'm I'm gonna do this on my own which is what i you know we expect and what we love about Mariner. but you just the biggest question when you watch is how is she gonna do it because that's the journey that we go on in every episode with her is what an orthodox and over-the-top way is she gonna be her Huh. <laughs> oh, God, vineyard flies. Oh, I hate being home. The very next scene that we go to is we're at a vineyard. And who, of course, do we think that this we is? We think it's Chateau Picard, of course. You know, yes. We, and we, the, go ahead. Well, with the, with, you know, it's got the floating water things and it's very lovely. And it looks like it could be La Bar, France, where Chateau Picard is. Uh, but we soon find yes. out it's not. Yeah, we come up uh, we come up behind this person, even all the way down to the, the sun hat. Yes. And all of a sudden, of course. it's Boimler. Yeah. And he's pissed because he's got grape juice all over him. And um, we immediately find out that he's not harvesting grapes for wine. He's literally making raisins. <laughs> yes. And that's what his family does. Yes, you see, he's frustrated about. It. We don't make wine; we just squeeze them. We just, you know, and we I dry the grapes. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was great. And and yeah, then suddenly and Mariner's so, there, like just sitting yeah. next to him. The captain's getting railroaded, man. I have to do something before it's too late. Well, count me in. Really? Usually, it takes way more convincing. Surprisingly, Boimler does a very unBoimler thing. He goes, "Let's go." It's, yeah, yeah and, I was just like, "What?" Well, because he immediately says, I, this, is, this is what I loved about this scene, was he says, I'm sick of, you know, being on this plantation, uh, drying out these grapes. But what's happening the entire time they're having this conversation? Hey, Bradward. Want to test the sweetness of my bushel? Oh, fine, Genevieve. Just give it 43 more sun hours at 21 degrees bricks. Is these beautiful girls are walking up to him going, 
what did they call him? I can't remember. The, the, they called him something cute or cutesy pie or whatever. And, and they're like, I don't know the difference between red and white grapes. Can we go hide in the shed and you can explain it to me? He's like, I already told you. Like, he's just not even getting the fact that these girls just are all over yeah, him. Over him. They're all throwing themselves at him with all of these double yeah. entendres. Oh, my and God. And he's not picking up, but he's not even focused on it. He's just annoyed. He just he wants, just to, wants get to get the hell out of hell there. Out so. of there. So I, I just thought that that was just completely funny. It was just one another one of those things that, that's always going on. You have to actually watch uh, every scene. Sometimes I've had to watch scenes over because they're constantly throwing things at you yeah. that you kind of get the second time around. You're just like, oh, my God, that was a joke. That was a reference to this. And it, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And I just really think that that was uh, so such a funny scene. And I just got a, just one of the biggest laughs out of it. Yeah, it was terrific. It, and it speaks to his character, too, and his point of view he's just this kind of he's just this guy who, who who's not he's not a serious person and I think that that's why over the three seasons the Boimler Mariner relationship has never gone into anything other than just hey we're friends she's trying to help him with his career he's doing whatever he's doing there's never been a real romance there because it's it, it just doesn't even make sense that he's too spacey and out there and she's too crazy and i like it better this way oh yeah absolutely and you know he has evolved because remember he was such a brown noser in season one and then he works his way up to getting on Riker's ship which terrified the hell out of him (laughs) he was like he he couldn't handle it it was it was way too much so he came back to the cerritos where things were just a little more calm because he was he got what he wanted he was on Riker's ship but you know Riker's ship is always going to be at the front end of every battle every crazy thing that's going on he found himself in all those situations so we we see this evolution Evolution. And, you know, now he's like, come on, let's 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 go do this. We get, you know, I was like, OK, so this was a welcome change. I'm glad that we're seeing evolution in, in characters and a little more depth. So it's not they're not complete one notes. Right. And I do want to speak to that evolution at the end. So I do have a thought, but I want to save it for the end. The ship's logs got corrupted by the Lapirian debris field. It makes it look like she's covering something up. Wait, so they just need our logs? I have logs. All you have to do is get your pads, oh. and we clear her name with some surprise evidence. Take that, conservative military court. So so we, we quickly realized that, you know, we, we have to figure out a plan. And so we know that um, they're, the logs on the ship were, were corrupted. But Boimler says that, you know, I, I keep detail logs. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're on the ship. Right. So um, the, the, how do we get there? There's no one on the ship. It's in dry dock somewhere. They don't know where it is. Right. And only uh, they only keep a skeleton crew of engineers. So they both realize is that, wait a minute, Rutherford would know. So where's Rutherford? Say gumbo. <laughs> gumbo. So they're at Cisco's. <laughs> Rutherford is with Tindy at Cisco's and they're doing a tour of oh Earth. Oh my God, it's so funny. Cisco's bar. So they're sitting there talking about the whole situation because it's on the news. I mean, everybody knows what's going on. And it's just kind of like they kind of tee it off like, what are we going to do? And then Mariner just all of a sudden perfect timing steps in. Those prosecutors are going to look so stupid when the captain gets proved innocent. I wonder how Mariner's taking it. Oh, I'm taking it. Taking it to the limit. 
So what I really like about the scene is is that they're all trying to figure out what they're going to do. Yeah. You know, they've got they've got to find a way to the ship and the only way to do that is you know, they got to beam there. So this this whole thing is coming together just like what? Star Trek 3 the search for Spock. That's right. I mean, even if they don't hit it over the head with the reference, you just feel that that's what's going to happen, and, and you remember that. It's a it's an echo of Star Trek Three, and um, that's fantastic. That's enough for me as a fan. So we're going to have to get past the transporter, Chief. I heard he's longtime Starfleet security. He could be intense. Whoa, 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 hold up. We have to face some kind of psycho badass? Look, we've got the numbers and the element of surprise. This is for the captain. So... The four of them decide to go to uh, one of uh, the Federation's uh, transporter facilities, and uh, they they have this plan. They're going to go in. They're going to take over, and uh, there's supposed to be this old guy that's there, and um, <laughs> that they can know, easily knock easy out. Take. Yep. Yeah, it, it'll be a piece of cake, right? Yeah. So yeah. they walk in, and it's like, "Hello, yeah, it's a Scottish guy, Chief Carlton Dennis, at your service." You can call me Denny. So, what brings you all to my dusty old transporter pad? She's he's calling me Denny. And, uh, oh, would you like a butterscotch? And he's all sweet. And then they're like, you might. He, he said, what are you here for? And they're like, we're here. We're cadets. We just want to, we wanted to tour this place and look at all those old transporters. He goes, yes, I've been fixing them up in my spare time. I can't tie this guy up. He's like the sweetest old man in the world. No, I know, but we have no choice, okay? Just distract him for me. Yeah, so he has all these transporters there, and as they're talking to him, like Baron is trying to sneak up from behind yeah, him. Right. And and knock him out. And then he goes, but it was you know, he makes a reference to his, his, his wife. deceased wife. Yeah. And so every attempt right. is is thwarted by him because, you know, he's a sweet dude. You well, know? Y- yes, and at some point. He, 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 know, look, we find out he knows why they're there because he offers the butterscotch and he kind of walks away a little and he goes, you folks are so nice. Usually people just come in here and want to knock me out and transport somewhere. And he turns around with a phaser and says, but that wouldn't be you, would it? Yeah, and they all just break down. They're like, yeah. no, 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 please, please, please. Yeah, he, he, I just thought that that was hilarious. It yeah, was such he a, totally a, fooled a, them. A deadpan. Look, I don't blame you one bit for trying to help you, Captain. I've been following a trial. I don't buy those charges for a second. But then, you know, we kind of soft dissolve to, you know, post-conversation, and he's like, listen, I'm with you, man. I don't agree that your mom was, you know, a part of this, and she's been railroaded, and I'd love to help you, but... Well, we have this, which was early reported in the, yes. in the news broadcast. Yep. There's an incandescent verrugament. He's like, it's this little... <laughs> Spacefaring right organisms goo. that are mating yeah. goo yeah. that's passing by Earth, so it interferes with the transporters. Transporters, so the only way to get there is by ships. So we didn't save the captain and Mister Once in a Lifetime trip to historical Bozeman. Oh, you would have loved Bozeman. So you know, Tindy's just all like disappointed. We can't we can't rescue Freeman, and I'm not going to get a chance to go to Bozeman. And so the chief is just like, oh, Bozeman. And then immediately, what is Bozeman to us? Well, obviously, it's from First Contact. We know Bozeman, Montana is where Zephram Cochran was building his warp ship with Lily, who I wish also was in there, but she wasn't, Alfrey Woodard. Uh, but yeah, and the second they say, she, as soon as she said, I wish we could have gone to Bozeman, we're like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're going to Bozeman. And that was... For me, a surprise, a thrill, and and just I just suddenly sat up in my seat and I'm like, okay, I'm really glad this show is on right now. 
she did. He's like, oh, yes, it's a great place. It's now an amusement park. You have yeah. all these wonderful rides. And you can take the Phoenix into space and relive the first <laughs> warp speed travel, you That's know. Right. And and so uh, so now we know what our marching orders are. We're going to yeah. go to freaking Bozeman. And uh, so we go there. Hello, explorers, and welcome to the 21st century. We hope you enjoy yourself and make a first contact. And I just love the the music. Oh, it's dude. the Star Trek. Well, that's first, Jerry first Goldsmith theme music. Yep, that's yep. Jerry Goldsmith's music. It is almost identical to what it was in First Contact. And of course, you've got the giant statue of Zephyr Cochran pointing off into the future, which is how Jordy described it in First Contact. When remember when he tells him that he has yeah, a statue? Yeah, yeah. And Cochran gets all like, yeah, I, know, I'm a freaked statue. out because I don't want to be a statue. I don't want to be know? a statue. Um, to drag him to doing what he historically did. Right. And know? then the first voice we hear over a loudspeaker is James Cromwell as Zephram Cochran. I was like so thrilled that they got him to do that. I just, he's been Zephram Cochran forever. Like he was in First Contact. He also made an appearance in the premiere episode of Enterprise with Scott Bakula, where he played an old um, Zephram Cochran, you know, initiating the Warp 5 uh, project. Do you remember that? That's one that got past me. I did not see that one. It's just great that uh, you know, Crom- you know Cromwell's part of the family. So I love it. You know, once once you're once you're in the Star Trek family, it seems like you're always in. And I think so. it's so good that he's playing ball in a in a very comical way. Oh, hi. I'm just finishing up some repairs, and you should finish up any snacks as no food or beverages are allowed inside the Phoenix. What do we do? We get on a replica of the Phoenix. Yeah, and it's now a ride. So like if you've ever been to Universal, um, you know, they have the Back to the Future ride. And this is not unlike that because they had um, Doc Brown, you know, getting you prepared while you're waiting in line. You know, when you get into the time machine, don't forget this. So then you get into it and it's this giant time machine with, you know, three rows. And this is exactly what the Phoenix was. You get into this thing and it's like three rows deep and you can have a whole bunch of people. And the four of them, you know, get right in and they're ready to blast off. Except there's one more guy. A tag-along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's a tag-along. This, this dude named Gavin, who's all freaked yeah. out and scared, yeah. you know, gets, gets aboard and they're like, oh, go get off, get off. No, I want to ride, I want to ride. All right, buckos, prepare for your trek amongst the stars. Oh, before I forget, let's rock and roll. Uh, what I loved about the launch, of course, you've got Zephyr Cochran as a... Um, hologram and he's like oh i almost forgot and he holds up that green disc let's rock and roll and then it's the music like i like to dream yeah right and it's the launch yeah the magic carpet ride yeah oh my god it just was awesome 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 yeah, I mean, they, the writers and the producers just, you know, nailed that one. That yeah, was, they, it was perfect. It was perfect. They're crushing it. They're crushing it. Yep. So, yeah. so they, they take off. and, uh, and Which it, is the, ex- so the launch was exactly like the launch in First Contact, too. Like right down to the exactly. smoke. Yep, yep. Totally, totally. So it was a good nod to, uh, to the film. Yep. And, you know, so Rutherford adjusts the controls and they make their way to the Cerritos. Okay, all right, it should be right. Yes, my copies of all the captain's logs going back to Stardate 58018.7. This should be more than enough. Oh. So so we get aboard the Cerritos, and we get, uh, Boimler gets his logs, 
And I'm like, okay, well, okay, cool. They're going to take that evidence back and, you know, you know, exonerate Carol Freeman. But there's a problem with his dadgum logs. The Cerritos is en route to the Lapirian system to assist the Archimedes in a first contact. Yes, that is exactly what we need to save Mom. Oh, and I think I heard Ransom say my name today. He might have said Boiler, but still. Name recognition, oh my God! What? What was, what was that? They get on the ship, they get them, and the first one's kind of like he's talking, to, he's, he's repeating, as he promised, he's repeating what he heard uh, from the captain almost verbatim, but then suddenly he just starts rattling off all these personal things like, oh, I hope no one discovers that I actually color my hair purple. An alien bird ate my combat. Drop my tricorder in the toilet again. Gas pains were so bad, I just wish I could fart. Ugh, we can't use these. Don't worry, I don't care that they're embarrassing. No, I mean because they are a joke. It's total boiler because he's overexcited about everything and he just yeah. puts all these these little anecdotes all in and around the logs that would be important. So it just basically would make it comical, you know, and 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 discredit. You know the evidence that he has. So right. you know, Mariner's frustrated. We're back to square one in in her book. Yeah, for sure. And and, and yeah. some of the reveals that he has are hysterical too. Um, and I like that because, and I, I want to speak to this at the end of this particular broadcast. But they they never really seem to achieve real uh, successful hero status. They're always kind of messing up in one way or another. And I think that plays a huge role in the success of this show, which I think we can discuss later. Hey, come on, they're Starfleet. If we can't trust them to do the right thing, what can we trust them? Yeah, Mariner, we have to believe. <sighs> yeah, you guys are right. All right, let's get this pad to Earth and save the day Lower Deck style. I mean, even even Tindy, Rutherford, and Wendler, yeah. you know, you know, kind of bring it back to, well, maybe, you know, we should just, you know, take what we have and, and, and trust the system. Yeah, you know? that's what Tendy keeps and, saying. And, yeah, so we're we're back at that that theme of the system and that you know and again I mean this is Starfleet you know yeah. it's a very optimistic future so maybe we've overcome our, 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 our you know how we approach justice so maybe maybe she should trust the system you yeah. know um, so they they she agrees and they they get on the shuttle and they're gonna go back and Mariner does Mariner once again. Hmm. I gotta, I gotta check the port in a cell real quick. Yeah. Wait, wait, what's going on? Where is she going? She set us on auto-navigation. I can't stop it. She's tapping in a, a couple of buttons and you think, okay, she's setting it up. And at the last second, she jumps out. And we realize that she set that thing on automatic control and locked out the controls because she wants to go back and, and really figure out what the hell's going on by getting that ship going. And also, yep. she's doing and it as a, as, a, as a sacrifice. She didn't want to get the others in trouble. Yeah, and the thing about it is with Mariner is that even though she is reckless, there is a there is honor in yeah. what she does. It's never just just to do it. I mean, yeah. she always has a has a reason, and it is for the greater good. But it's not always the right way to you know the right <laughs> way to do things. It's not always the right approach. Of course, yeah. and it's always going to be uh, coloring outside the lines when it comes to her. So, yeah. um, you know, but there's there's still nobility. You know, uh, there's there's this nobility about her that I I, I still like, even or, though it's way out of bounds. Yeah, I would call it more of a of a moral compass that that keeps her pointed true north, even if she's doing everything wrong. She definitely still has you know, a good solid moral background, and that could be from her parents. You know, exactly, exactly. So there's still some some form of in its base form, Starfleet ideals buried yeah. deep in, deep inside. <laughs> Shh. 
Tanner, what are you doing? I'm not going back until I get hard evidence. Are you stealing the Cerritos? They say she got a bomb from Klingons and bullshit. I'm gonna go find those Klingons and bring them back. So she so she takes control of, of the Cerritos and pulls it out of dock. And then yep. her friends are like, they they're, they're like, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna get back on. So they fly that shuttle straight into the the uh, the hangar bay. And once again, it's another nod to another Star Trek film. That's where the shuttle came in hot and and crashed. Uh, was that not Star Trek Five? Was it? Yes, it was. It was the yes, final frontier. I knew it. Yep, it was a that's nod right. to yep. Kirk and Spock, yep. you know, ramming it in Cyborg, Ram. ramming it in. That's right. Uh, and then they and then they fight. <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, yep. that was the best part of Star Trek Five. I gotta say. Yeah, that was the best part. The <laughs> yeah. only part. Yeah, <laughs> I think we. I think we all. Yeah, we all. We, we, we can know, move on. In all fairness. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. I don't want you getting in trouble. And we're not gonna let you put yourself in danger, Rutherford. Oh no, you don't. You're not thinking straight. Uh, I don't want to hurt. Tindy Rutherford and Boimler come on board the bridge, yeah. and they fight. They're literally freaking fighting. It was fighting so Mariner. great. And, and yeah, you know what I liked awesome. about the, the the animation was it really looked like a fight. Like um, Rutherford tries to get up, and and um, Mariner reaches out and just kind of trips his foot, and he drops again. That seemed really real. It's almost like they choreographed it first and then drew it. You know. And you know, so they 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 basically you know subdue her and then yeah. she, in a rare rare moment mariner breaks down she's like crying and this yeah. i think this may be the first time we've ever seen her do that they put her in handcuffs and I, I couldn't do a damn thing about it they could take her away forever and i can't stop it and i'm just i'm just so scared yeah well it's you know and the, and this is what i was speaking to before is that from the beginning of this episode when she was upset and she's throwing things it's not that she's pissed she's scared and she loves her mother. And, you know, she's trying everything she can, of course, doing everything wrong, uh, going in the complete opposite direction she should be, but she's doing everything that she knows how, in her instinct, to rescue her mother. And it's just not working and she just falls apart. And that's, I thought it was a nice moment. A very, very good moment. I mean, it, it really, you know, add some emotional weight to it. So it's not, the show, you know, has its moments. It continues, sure. you, you, you feel you feel things, yeah. which you wouldn't, you know, completely expect. Yeah. Uh, with it being an animated series, you might dismiss it off as just like, eh, you know, it's lightweight. But no, no, they, they run, all the, run all of the themes, the complex yeah. themes as, as they're doing the show. So a, a really good tip of the hat to the writers. I agree. And I think, you know, the showrunner, Mike McMahon, who is running this, steering this ship, if you will, um, really, truly has something special here. Because with animation, you can do virtually anything you want. Uh, and because it's a comedy with some dramatic moments, you can tug on different feelings and push different buttons with your viewers while just completely entertaining us with Easter egg after Easter egg after Easter egg. And he's, he's I, I tell you, man, between this and Strange New Worlds, I am incredibly impressed with what Star Trek is doing. I think they may have found their niche back on television and in streaming instead of the movies where they haven't always seemed to really take hold. Yeah, and and currently at this time of, of this podcast, um, Star Trek, the next Star Trek film has already lost its director. So yeah. um, 
the you know at least in the streaming world with Paramount Plus, they're 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 hitting it. They're yeah. they're hitting their stride. I can I can see that it's happening. And yeah. of course, we you know are all looking forward to the third and final season of Picard because we knew yeah. all of the uh, yes all of our favorite characters are coming back from the next generation. So and stay they're, tuned they're, they're, to Energize. Stay tuned to Energize, oh, yeah. everybody, because we'll be covering that yeah. like crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we will be there. Cerritos, I repeat, this is an unauthorized launch. Please respond. Yep. So uh, at this point, Starfleet security has you know stepped in. They've caught up to the ship, and this is about the time that the incandescent verugament. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying. <laughs> Dude, that. I love that you keep uh, saying it correctly. Is, is, the incandescent yeah. verugament. I don't think I could remember. That. <laughs> is passing by. Yeah. Trust me, I had to have subtitles on so I could even yeah. get the correct spelling of it so that I could actually say it. So, uh, so it's coming through, and these these uh, the, the verugament, this the species, is starting to mate, and they attach themselves to the ship and start mating all right. over the whole of the and ship. And it's very so visual. It's like, oh my god, yeah, it's very <laughs> visual. I was like, oh my god, they're really and, going there. And it was smart too because they they got that verugament. Uh, on the ship because they used it as they wanted to use it as kind of a uh, a bait uh, not a bait um, camouflage if you will because it, remember it disrupted all these signals and so they thought maybe they could use it to not have the uh, Starfleet officers board them or or even get near them but that didn't work they they board. What the hell is going on in here? Uh, these endangered creatures need help transferring their gametes. We're facilitating both. They um, run down to the one of the cargo bays, and they when security comes on board, they're like helping them. <laughs> they're taking their eggs and yeah. moving them around to help them. It's gross. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> basically helping them mate. Yeah, this, totally they are disgusting. They're, they're reaching in. It's like as if you reach into a flower to get like a pistol or a stamen or whatever a flower is made of. Um, but not only are they, you know, reaching in and doing that, they're getting zapped electro electronic or electrically, you know, as well, which I thought was a great little touch, you know, every time oh, yeah. they just get zapped. It was fantastic. They're, they're covered in fluid. So they're, they're convincing, yeah, you know, trying to convince them that they're on an official mission which and security smart. actually bought it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was they really buy smart. It. Security, security buys it, but then they're like, okay, so we just need the orders. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they, I mean, they're like, oh, great, okay, we're really glad that you're doing this. All you have to do is tell us who your commanding officer is, who approved this, and we'll be going. And they're like, uh, duh, what? <laughs> you're just like, okay, so how are we going to get out of this now? So, come on, who ordered this? Uh, I did. Captain Carol Freeman. Mom? Thanks, Captain Freeman. Glad to have you back. And boom, here we are. Captain Freeman walks she in. She walks in, and... and you know, my first thought was, well, this must be some kind of cadet exercise. Like it was a test, like a Kobayashi Maru. But it wasn't. Uh, what had happened was, she was in the time that Ten Tendi and Rutherford and, and the other two, Boimler and Mariner, it took all that time to steal the ship and get into trouble and do all these things. Starfleet, turns out, was investigating on the back end and, and they discovered it was a... A plot? Yes, a, a plot. There was actually a plot. She was framed. This forger revealed the true identity of the bombers, the Packlids themselves. What? It was a huge reveal. Basically, the Packlids blew up their own planet so that they could get yeah. they could frame that Starfleet would 
uh, end up giving them another planet with better resources. I just yeah. thought that that was, <laughs> they, again, the Packlets are morons, yeah. but they're cunning at the same time. So you can't, you, you get what they did, but oh my God, it, it's such a high price. You blow up your own home world. Right. They, they, they do stupid things to, to, to create power. Um, yeah. 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 And, and, and again, I think that's why they're going to be such a great, um, I think they're going to continue to be a nemesis because they're simple and basic, as you say. And, you know, Lower Decks is, is about a ship that's kind of simple and basic and a crew that's a Lower Decks crew that is kind of simple and basic. And so what, what better nemesis to have than those guys? Yeah. And uh, they, they throw a mention to Tuvok using interrogation oh, techniques. Not just a mention. The guy that was... <laughs> <laughs> they, to the they, guy that was helping the packlets. Yeah, they're they're giving he's giving him a double mind melt in his face. He just looks like wow, like, oh, wow, wow. It was so great, and they really they they hung on to Spock for or, or Tuvok, excuse me, Tuvok for a long time. So it was a classic packlet Samaritan snare, writ large, and it would have worked if not for Starfleet's best believing in one of their own. Wow, Starfleet really came through. Who'd have thought? Me, Beckett. The system worked. Exactly. The system worked. And I think this is the key to the show for me, was while these these while Mariner and her crew are out making a mess and stealing ships and doing all this crazy stuff, a whole other episode of Starfleet is going on. The the, the trial, the the intrigue, the espionage, the the, the discovery of it all, right? And and that would have been a normal, regular, that would have been the regular episode of Star Trek. What we're seeing is the chaos that Mariner starts a la Lower Decks. And I think that's how the show keeps them at that Lower deck status. And I, I don't know, I think it's brilliant. She thinks she can just say and do whatever she wants with no repercussions. We have covered for her and excused her, and now we are reaping what we sowed. We're not done. So we, we have to punish Mariner for what she did. So right. as as two parents sitting there, they're arguing and pacing and just yeah. you know wearing out. Where the do we go wrong? Yeah, yeah. Where do where do we go wrong? You know. But but their solution is elegant, and you know I think what I liked about it is and, and this again as you mentioned before, we need these characters to evolve a little bit. The captain evolves here, and she says, "I'm no longer going to put you in charge." She, well, first she's like, "Am I off the Cerritos?" And I'm like, "Oh no." It's the only place you're, you will never get kicked off of, or at least the captain won't kick you off. And so captain says, and so therefore you no longer are my responsibility. I'm putting someone else in charge of you. I know someone who isn't burdened by family ties. Come. No, not him. Not him. And we're like, who's that going to be? And the door swings open, and it's Ransom. If you do in fact want to remain in Starfleet, it's going to be his call. Thank you, Captain. As far as you're concerned, Mariner, I'm your mama now. Yep, Commander Pretty Boy Ransom. <laughs> Played by Jerry O'Connell. Yes, yes, it's freaking hilarious. Oh yeah. my God, all the ties there. My wife is on Strange New Worlds. I'm in, yeah, in, uh, he's Lower a huge Texas. fan. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a huge fan. And no, it was perfect. You know, he's like, I'm your mama now. That's right. It was great. It was so great. Um, and and yeah. that's going to set up a really great bit of conflict this season because he's going to be a lot harder on Mariner than um, the captain was, obviously. And that'll just be a whole new set of things for Mariner to get in trouble with and to, to, to fight against. It's going to be great. 
Yeah, which is definitely an about face from where they were in season one when they first discovered that Mariner is Captain Freeman's daughter. Because he right. was like, you know, had, came with his hat in hand. Hello, Captain's daughter. Oh, I, you, know, I, I, yeah. I, I, right. you know, I want you to be hard on her. I am hard on her. I mean, I'm always hard. And he's like, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. I'm not hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, my I, gosh. Great evolution for him. It's been great. First, a daring rescue near the moons of Jupiter as a malfunctioning theme park ride leaves one young man traumatized. No, no, let it go! I'm Captain Gavin! So uh, the show ends with uh, the FNN news about yep. the Phoenix being being found that the ship yep. you know, had a malfunction <laughs> so and great. Gavin is now like yeah. gone nuts. I'm the captain of the ship, ah, you know. It was a, oh a nice gosh. little button, and it was a nice little bookend. I love that they're bookending it with the FNN news. I don't think they're going to do it anymore, or if they do this season, I think that would also be funny. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. Uh, obviously, we're about to talk about that, but um, yeah, it, it, everything just was terrific. Just a great way to launch season three. Let's take a look at the top three moments from this week's episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. My, my, usually my three things are, are stuff that isn't like stuff that happened, but just, just ideas. And so I just loved how they brought back the characters. It's, it's as if it had been years and it was really only, you know, a few months since the end of season two. Uh, but to start with Mariner and then to build, go to Boimler. And then I just like the way they got the band back together to go steal the ship. I, I just love that. Becky! Can't take this anymore! They put her in handcuffs. And I, I couldn't do a damn thing about it. Wow! Starfleet really came through. Who'd have thought? Me, Beckett! My number three would be Mariner's Mariner's evolution. We see um, we see emotion and anger. I, I really, really like that they brought that in. Because you, you can see it. it. It means that she's not one-dimensional. Yeah. And I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I I, I I agree with that, totally. Starfleet Captain Carol Freeman stands accused of orchestrating a devastating attack on the Packlid capital. My second one was, again, the way they laid this out. I loved the way they bookended it with FNN. I liked the story, and I liked that they almost, in a way, reset the, the four you know, uh, Lower Decks crew to be in trouble, and now they kind of they almost put back in their place in a way, right? And so they've got, they're still gonna be Lower Decks crew members, and now Mariner has to report to Ransom, and, and I like that, it really put them in their place. Hey, Bradward. Wanna test the sweetness of my bushel? Bradward! I'm soaked in juice and I need help getting naked. Just spray off with the hose, Leanne. <laughs> uh, my number two, is uh, being at the vineyard. I just thought that that was so funny. That whole that whole scene. It, it actually <laughs> yeah. put Boimler in a different light. I was like, wow, I didn't know he was like a reluctant ladies' man. That was well, funny to me. He's he's tone deaf, deaf, dumb, and blind ladies' man. Apparently, um, that was very funny. All right, Buckos, prepare for your trek amongst the stars. Oh, before I forget, let's rock and roll. But obviously my number one was Bozeman. Um, from the second that they open up and you can hear the Jerry Goldsmith music to the launch of the Phoenix, you know, and, and the let's rock and roll. It's just, you know, First Contact remains one of my favorite, if not my favorite Star Trek movie. And um, 
I loved Bozeman. It was fantastic. Everything. Uh, yeah, I will 100% agree with you on that. I love them bringing back James Cromwell to reprise his yep. character as Zephyrin Cochran, the whole Bozeman uh, reference, and we finally got a chance to see it. It's an amusement park that Jordy LaForge <laughs> had mentioned. Uh, That's right. So, I, yeah, so I just I thought that was really cool. It was a nice uh, special guest surprise, and uh, that that completely worked. I, I think it was it was it was totally cool, and I love when they do that. So um, I know that we'll probably have many many guest appearances across the season, just like in um, season two, I mean, season one when Riker showed up, and season yeah season one and season yeah. two Riker was there. That's right. Uh, but it was a nice surprise at the end in the season finale because all of a sudden he comes in on the Titan, and that was just like a big like hello. Yes, we are part of the next generation. Deep Space Nine Voyager yeah. timeline, so yeah. I, I think um, that really grounds it uh, in that era, and you know it. It doesn't, you know, set outside of that. So I, th- I thought that that was really, really cool. Yeah, and there'll be a lot of stories to tell, including their own, which and they've kept it their own. They've they've referred to other things and had Easter eggs, but they haven't relied on it. But, you know, Picard, in a way, I'm not going to trash Picard because I love it, but in a way, they're kind of. He said, season one, we're not we're not the next generation. We're, this is totally different. And then now in season three, it's going to be next generation. But who cares? It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. That's definitely going to be great. So let's take a quick look at what's to come in season three of Star Trek Lower Decks. Starfleet, get your Starfleet. Prepare yourself for Warp 10 excitement. Discover the undiscovered country. The USS Cerritos remains impounded while their captain stands trial. Have you lost your mind? Captain Carol Freeman stands against... I can't believe this. I wonder how Mariner's taking it. Oh, I'm taking it. Taking it to the limit. Did you time your entrance to say that? What? No. Oh, yeah, she did. Starfleet isn't all about being fed fruit by erotic aliens with slightly different nose ridges. I could get real used to this kind of treatment. Sometimes you gotta get your hands dirty. It's on. This is an unauthorized launch. So begins the greatest adventure of your lives. Yeah! These broken rocks are reading our nightmares, but I don't like my nightmares. Behold! So magical. There's going to be times when you need to make a mess of things before you can fix them. Like how I'm going to have to cut this guy's foot off so he can grow him a new one. Wait, what was that? Whatever happens, we're gonna be right beside you. We're in this together. Help! Let's go! My head. More Starfleet! Hell yeah! I can't believe we're at Deep Space Nine! Wait, wait, just buy me some time. Uh, sir, how, how do we do that? Uh, I don't know, just. Circle around and pretend we're in awe of the pylons. Um. Just keep circling. Oh my gosh, man. This is going to be a... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and an awesome season. This is going to be so cool. I cannot wait. And you uh, can tell. God, there's some, a lot to unpack there. There is. I mean, sometimes, you know, promotions are done really well and they've got good editors. But with this, I think this is real. Like, all the shows are going to be really great. I mean, where do we start? There's so many images and so many familiar images. 
Uh, well, one I want to start with, they're Klingons. Klingons yeah. will be in this season. That's right. And it looks like Mariner's either being trained by them or working with them. There's somehow she's going to she's gonna learn something from them, I think. Uh, yeah, you see Boimler. He's he's you know, loading up on weapons. I'm like, okay, so yeah. Boimler is, is growing into a badass. Is that what we're going to see? I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, but if we know the show, which we do, it's prob- they're probably doing the wrong thing for the right reason. Um, to go, you know, going off and doing something stupid while they should be doing something, you know, smart. But um, I, I love <laughs> there's a line that said, you know, the universe isn't just about uh, humanoid looking aliens with slightly different nose ridges feeding you fruit. And then they show that scene. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's always, you know, great jokes that are, that are placed in there and they make yeah. fun of themselves. So they're never yeah. afraid to do that. Um there's there's a close quarters combat, so we're gonna get some action aboard the Cerritos. Yeah, uh, and then um, it looks like too that maybe the captain gets into a little bit of trouble again. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks like she's been possessed. She's like yeah. in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I also I don't know if you caught it, but remember I can't even think of the robot's name. Remember the robot that abandoned everyone in the season one finale? They asked her to go over and plant the virus on the Packless ship, and then she said, "No, I I just joined Starfleet to piss off my dad." Yes. <laughs> Wait, no, that was the. Um, the <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Okay. So she's back. I don't think I peanut hamper. That. Peanut hamper. Yeah. Peanut. There was a, there was a there was a flash of peanut hamper. Remember, last time we saw Peanut Hamper, Peanut Hamper was floating in space. <laughs> they intended to name her Peanut God. Hamper because she had some long-ass name. That's uh, right. But, oh, yeah. my God. I forgot <laughs> about that. Okay, yeah, so she's back. Um, yeah. And, and then, of course, we get to the really exciting stuff where they visit Deep Space Nine with the theme, of course. Yep, and and the thing about it was uh, they they even make a joke about that where they yeah. they're like wait a minute let's just fly around because remember how long that open was oh my gosh well, the shot first after few... shot of Deep Space Nine well yeah, and and this is why I never really clung to Deep Space Nine and I'm gonna admit to our listeners I didn't really watch much of it because it, it seemed so boring to me I know it was a good show I hear a lot about it but for the first couple of years the opening was just the ship or rather the this the the station. And then they finally started adding like ships landing with it or, or, or docking with it because it just looked like it was so boring. Um, but yeah, he's like, just just circle around the pylons and just uh, pretend we're in awe of it. It's just like, <laughs> well, what, what about now? And he goes, just keep circling. Yeah, and that's the tip of the hat and, 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 and an acknowledgement that everybody had about the open of the show. It was one of the yeah. slowest opens. They finally yeah. threw the Defiant in there. You know, uh, in later sure. years when Worf showed up, you know, yeah. which, you know, I've always said that uh, the first few years I stuck with it because I'm a, I'm a loyalist. But sure. it wasn't until the Dominion War and Worf coming aboard that I, and, and Cisco shaving his head and becoming a man called Hawk. Sure yeah. Yeah. People, That's right. That he he became the true badass that we know him to be. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about the season. It looks like there's just going to be it's going to be chock full of fun, interesting action and great jokes. Yeah, I, I'm. It just, it did not disappoint. Uh, it never has, and I just don't see it slowing down and, and ever getting bad. I think they've just got a treasure trove of stuff that they can use to make this show great. And that's what we're seeing. Well, that concludes this episode of Energize, a Lower Decks Edition podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed be, it. 
Yeah, it's going to be a great season. We loved it. Um, stay tuned for all of our uh, upcoming episodes as we break it down. And Anthony, they got to follow us on social media. Tell us about it. Absolutely. So uh, you can follow us on Instagram at energize underscore star underscore trek. And you can also uh, visit us on our website. Our official Energize website is Energize, a Star Trek podcast network. So the website is energizepodcast.com. That's energizepodcast, plural. So there's an S on the end of podcast.com. Because we got a lot of podcasts. That's why. Absolutely. The Energized universe is growing. So right. we will be covering uh, all of the uh, Star Trek shows as we go along. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being with us during Strange New Worlds. Now we're here for Lower Decks. Uh, please comment. Please leave, please leave comments. Let us know what you think. Uh, we're always looking to grow and improve. And thank you for listening. Live long and prosper.